day five and we are still talking about restricted hunting areas and when i was making my notes for this episode i was like oh my god i could do like another week on these but don't want to beat the proverbial dead horse so to speak so here's what we're going to do today today is not going to have a single thing uh, i got five kind of things i want to touch on and the last thing i'm going to touch on is i'm going to talk about why all of this matters why this matters so that's going to be my last point so you can skip ahead if you want to, or you can hang with me through this. I think this is going to be really good because I'm going to unpack some other points. You know, we spent time on say, spatial separation. We spent time on the difference between critical wildlife areas and RHAs. We spent time on where is the data. Um, that's that's what the crux of this week has been made up on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a couple things. First thing is a couple. Five is a couple. So the first thing is, should the name change? That was part of FWC's comment tool that they sent out on this. They sent an email out to stakeholders and asked what they felt about the name change. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think this is appropriately named because it is restrictive of hunting in an area. Although it's actually not restrictive of hunting because you can still alligator hunt, you could still archery hunt. It is restrictive of waterfowling or restrictive of taking game with a firearm areas maybe that's a maybe that's a better name anyway i kind of want the name to be punitive <laughs> like I, I i i'm candid about that like i wish that we would name it a development protection area or a fwc wants more development protection area or something to like that effect i know that that's not exactly true but i'm just telling you how i feel in my heart like i'm being as real as i can be about it i don't like the name i don't like the rule so I'm not sure I would be the person that should be asked about the name or have input on the name, but really it's a waterfowl hunting prohibition area. That is what the right name for this thing is. Um, we talked on spatial separation. They're not going to do this on WMAs because that's different. Um, but we're going to, we are going to name it a restricted hunting area, but it's only ever going to affect waterfowl hunters today. Second thing I want to talk about is exactly that. Why are lakes different than WMAs? We talked about that in the spatial separation episode. Uh, in the bonus episode we released a few weeks back where we had the, the audio from the commission meeting. You heard Commissioner Barreto, and I talked about this already, um, kind of go at it about a developer that wanted um, a, a buffer zone put into a new WMA. And I've been asking this question for a while. Why are lakes, which are under the purview of FWC, treated differently than WMAs, which are under the purview of FWC? And the simple answer from the agency is, well, WMAs are codified by rule and they are a thing that we create. Okay. Well, that doesn't really answer my question. Um, <laughs> I, I struggle with that a lot because these lakes are special lakes. They are important lakes for waterfowling, which is a thing that generates revenue for you. I've talked about that some this week, and I'm not quite sure why we treat these lakes differently than we treat WMAs if they are for the recreation of the public. Um, I'm not I'm not quite sure why we treat them differently. I will say this, and this is probably the thing that will get me in the most trouble this week, is uh, a lot of stakeholders were canvassed. The, the agency uses what I think they term super stakeholders, and I would say I fall into that category, although I may not after this issue, but I would say I fall into that category. And these are these are kind of stakeholders that have constituencies or have have a voice in the in the in the world out there around hunting or fishing or whatever. And so they'll go to those super stakeholders and present a rule to them first, then take it forward on this particular rule. And I'm not saying they do this often, but on this particular rule, I believe there was a huge miss because the stakeholders who are supporting the rule hunt quota areas and WMAs. 
They're deer hunters. They're hog hunters. They're turkey hunters. They are not waterfowl hunters. And if they are waterfowl hunters, they're quota area waterfowl hunters in South Florida. That's not a good representation. The people that this rule affects from a stakeholder standpoint the most are the ones asking for some kind of concession, asking for some kind of negotiation, asking for some kind of some kind of re- relent from the agency as, as far as better protections for hunting long term. So that's a that's a thing that I think is worth saying. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know what to do with that information, but I definitely think it's a it's a miss by the agency. And the agency, I, I've been, I think, hopefully pretty fair about this. I don't think they miss often, but I think this is a miss. Um, the other thing I'll say under the heading of why are the lakes different than WMAs is when we submitted our sign-on letter back in December of last year, one of the attachments at the urging of uh, Delta Waterfowl, the largest duck hunting organization in the United States, at the urging of Delta Waterfowl, who signed on to the letter, we we included a lake list and it had all the lakes all the water bodies all the rivers that have some level of waterfowl hunting on them today significantly Um, i'm sure not all of them would meet the qualifications if qualifications were established but it was a starting point it was a list we provided to them to say hey we would like these lakes to be exempted from having rhas put on them in the future like let's go ahead and draw a line in the sand now and, and call them out um that lake list has not ever come up again. It's just kind of been, I'm not going to say ignored because I don't know that that's fair. I don't know what the agency has or hasn't done with that, but I know it hasn't been discussed uh, in any detail with me. And I would think on the list of people that were discussing it, I I probably would have been one of them. So that's a little strange to me. Lakes are treated differently than WMAs as I handled on the spatial separation day. um, Spatial separation matters on lakes, but doesn't seem to matter on WMAs, doesn't seem to matter on federal land. Uh, I'm going to come back to uh, that lake list here in a minute. The third thing that I want to talk about is what I've titled rule language. And this is a strange one, okay? Um, 68A-19.002, restricted hunting area permits, procedure, um, this is the rule, the draft rule language from FWC. And I'm going to point something out here that was pointed out to me by someone smarter than me. I'm reading section one, a restricted hunting area prohibiting the taking of game with a firearm when the individual or the game is within 300 feet of a dwelling. That's super important. When the individual or the game is within 300 feet of a dwelling. Okay, let's pause there. Early on in this conversation, the questions were asked in the webinars with FWC of, can we shoot into the area? Can we go into the area to retrieve game? How does all this work? Based off my, Travis's math of reading that that right there, there's a directional protection in place (laughs) on this buffer line. So you can't shoot back inside the 300 feet. So it doesn't matter that there's 300 feet. Now it's actually 300 feet plus whatever your fall is from your shot. That's a miss. That's a whiff. I can't believe we haven't jumped up and down over that. Um, and I'll I'll make sure that someone brings that up at the next commission meeting. But that's a that's a that's a pretty egregious oversight that was not presented to stakeholders that way uh, in the initial the initial rule discussions. If it was, I missed it. But I I was on all those webinars and I don't remember it being presented that way at all. Um, I've been wrong before, but I I don't think I am on that one. So effectively, we've asked about a directional protection before. We've talked about that on on these podcasts this week. 
we were told, no, we can't do a directional protection because we need spatial separation. And in fact, in the part of that spatial separation, the way the rule is written actually gives a directional protection for homeowners. Tell me where I'm missing something there. Like, correct me on this. Tell me, tell me where I'm swinging and missing on this. Tell me the lie there. Um, that is a, that is a, man, I, I don't like that at all. And I'm saying I a lot, like I said, I would, but I, I just don't like that a lot. I, I struggle with that one. <laughs> Item number four. This is the this is the last of the main main ones. And I'm gonna tell you why I think all this matters, and I'll probably get a little preachy there, and I, I apologize in advance. But item number four is, what does a win look like? Like people have asked me, Travis, what do you want to happen? What would you like? What would you like to happen? And I'll tell you, I would like to compromise. I would. <laughs> what I would like to happen is this rule not exist. Okay, like let's let's wipe the rule off the books and and just not have it. But. Obviously, that's not going to happen. The agency's made up its mind. They're going to have a rule. Okay, well, then the way the process works is we have stakeholder engagement and we have meetings and we do work groups and we figure out a way that we're going to make this a, a rule that's palatable for everyone. And as someone that's been involved to whatever level those exist, uh, I'm going to say I don't see the compromise ever in the direction of the concerns that we've raised. And... <sighs> man, I, I really don't want to be confrontational or adversarial about this, but these are just some things I listed down that could have been done. Directional protections could have been done. And the agency has, as I've already shared, they already have statutory cover from the state to do a directional protection. They could do it and not get any pushback from the legislature about it. Because if they did, they're tying it to a gun rule. And Florida is a decidedly 2A state. I don't understand why they, there's a fear of that. But let's say, okay, Travis, we're not going to do directional protection. You can increase the dwelling density. Uh, today it is one home per acre. You can increase it. Make it 1.25 homes per acre. Make it 1.5 homes per acre. Make it a higher threshold and barrier to meet to get an RHA issued. Uh, the average lot size in Florida, according to the National Realtors, Realtors Association, is a quarter acre. So why is it not four homes per acre? Um. Another compromise to me would be something I talked about on the day when I talked to CWAs versus RHAs. The agency holds meetings and acts as the trustee. I don't love that the agency passes the meeting responsibility off to the local municipality and I don't get a notification if I don't live in that municipality. I want the agency to hold those. I want the agency to hold the trust of the resource, hold in trust the resource that belongs to me and them. It belongs to those people as well, but I want the agency to hold it in trust. I'd like to see it in a CWA type process different compromise. I'd like to see it in a CWA type process where the commissioner it's taken to the commissioners. Hey, we want to put an RHA on Lake Toho. Hey, we want to put RHA on Santa Rosa sound or, or Tampa Bay or whatever. And I want to see the commissioners wrestle with it. And I want to see stakeholders go to the commission and, and speak on it. And I want to see municipalities come to the commission and speak on it. I think that's where it belongs. I think that's how being a trustee works. And I know that's hard. And I know it's heavy, but I think that's how it should work. I'd like to see the lakes designated, like I mentioned just a minute ago. I'd like to see the lake list taken and applied and said, okay, on these lakes, no RHAs, or to get an RHA, it's going to be wrestled with by the commission. Outside these lakes, the rule will apply. <laughs> this is the dream. It, and Dan and I talked about this on an early episode. Chad Rashar has been talking about this quite a bit lately. And that's the idea of mitigation offsets. Uh, if you want a restricted hunting area, we do mitigation. If you're not familiar with mitigation, we do mitigation all out over the state for development purposes. Say you're going to impact a gopher tortoise, you have to buy mitigation credits or pay into a mitigation fund that is used then to buy mitigation credits or offsets. 
And basically you are mitigating, you're, you're offsetting somewhere else for the impacts you're going to create. Why don't we have mitigation offsets in place for these RHAs and say you're going to put an RHA on Lake Toho and affect 65 acres of, of huntable water today? Um, why doesn't the municipality have to pay X number of dollars per acre that they're offsetting? And that money goes to a fund that the agency then uses to acquire or open up opportunity in the same water management district to help offset uh, that loss of access or opportunity that is existing. These are all compromises. There's there's six I just listed off, off kind of quick hits. I'm sure there are some others out there. Um, I would just like to have seen one of those things, two of those things, all of those things, some of those things included in a discussion in what the revised rule looks like. Uh, I'll take you back to that to that February commission meeting again, and I'll mention that uh, Commissioner Barreto, as I've already said, kind of laughingly reminded us that this is a draft rule and that everybody needed to settle down because it's just a draft rule. And the rule that's being presented in August looks exactly like the rule that was presented in February. So I'm not quite sure um, how to take that because I would have thought that the agency would have come back and actually like engaged and worked with stakeholders on making changes to the rule to make it better for those that were concerned. And I didn't see that happen. So I'm frustrated with this process. I'm frustrated with this rule based on those very things. And I think those, those frustrations are, um, are well founded. And I think ultimately the thing I'd say is I'm disappointed, like as an engaged stakeholder and as, as a guy and a, I'll, I'll say it as, as candidly as I can, as a, as a, as a guy that runs with a bunch of people that I feel like advocate well for the agency. Um, this one stinks a little and, and I'm really disappointed in how it's gone down and I'm disappointed in how the agencies handle it. Why does this matter? So Travis, why does it matter? Like at the end of the day, you're going to lose this. You're going to win this, whatever. Why does it matter so much? Like, like what's the, What's the thing behind this that really gets in your crawl and sticks there? And why are you pushing so hard about this? Why do you care so much about this thing? And that's something I've wrestled with quite a bit because it's a really nuanced issue. We've, we've talked about it every day this week. We've done three other podcasts about it. Um, this is not a, a bear hunt where you're pro bears, you're anti bears. This is not a, uh, a uh, change in fisheries regulation where, Hey, I want catch and release or, Hey, I want, I want, I want keep, and we have a lot of data and a lot of science to back up, you know, those positions. This is not that this is the, and I think that's why this matters so much to me because in, in the world that I live in and, and, and play in and work in on a daily basis, I look really hard at the things I, I take very seriously, the things that we work on when we talk about conservation, I don't like the idea of lip service and I don't like the idea of hypocrisy. And, and I struggle with that in my own personal life. And I really don't, I don't want to struggle with it. And I realize we all do. So it matters heavily to me. It matters a great deal to me because at the end of the day, what I see is a rule that's going to be changed. It's going to be modified. It's going to provide a vehicle for municipalities to continue to weaponize the agency against hunters. And that's disconcerting. I've mentioned before the idea of the relevancy roadmap. I've mentioned before R3. I've mentioned before social science and the use of social science by the agency. And I've, I've talked before on other podcasts about how the, the commissioners have voted on certain issues like the Goliath group or flounder regulations or whatever, man, 
I think this matters way more than most people think it matters because I think this is the kind of thing that's a canary in the coal mine. And, and I've said repeatedly, I think this matters way more in the hunting community. The hot issue is always bears. We want to talk about bears. We want a bear hunt. We want a bear hunt. We want a bear hunt. And bears are super politically charged for whatever reason. Well, not, not for whatever reason. They're charismatic megafauna. This isn't rocket science. We've, we've had Clay Newcomb on before and talked about this. Bears are kind of the avatar for, for hunting rights and getting better hunting access and hunting opportunity. But if they turned on a bear hunt tomorrow, um, they'd probably issue three, 350 tags. That's what they did last time. I think it was 318 or 328 bears that were, that were killed in the last hunt. Um, that means 318 opportunities statewide. Bear hunting is not a ease of entry point to the, to the state. It's not an ease of entry into hunting. Waterfowl hunting, walk-in waterfowl hunting, canoe, John boat with a trolling motor. Those are much easier entry points in Florida for hunting. And I recognize that, yes, there's still barriers to waterfowl hunting. I, I get I get clients all the time that ask me about it, new, newcomers to hunting, and they're like, you know, I'm really worried I'm going to shoot the wrong duck. I'm really worried about this. I'm really worried about that. And I want to give a plug to the agency really quick and say they usually err on the side of sportsmen there, and I think their law enforcement does a heck of a good job with that. But this rule matters because it is going to be a barrier to people getting into the sport. They're going to roll up to a lake and see a sign and they're not going to know what that sign means. They're not going to understand the nuance beyond that sign. That, that means that yes, you can hunt this lake, but now there's just a 300 foot rule where the houses are on this lake. The municipality isn't going to understand that rule. The, the local law enforcement, the homeowners, it's going to be advertised in the paper that, Hey, we're having a meeting next Thursday night about making the, the town of Ipswich village into a restricted hunting area. Please come if you'd like to. And the Ipswich village County Commission, city commissions are going to vote and make it into an RHA, and that's going to pass, and they get an MOU with with FWC or a permit issued from FWC in this case, and they're going to put signs up like they're supposed to at certain places, and someone's going to go hunt in SSL in a lake that is big enough for them to hunt, and they're not going to hunt anywhere near houses, and homeowners on that lake that live off way on the other side of the lake are going to hear gunfire on Saturday morning. They're going to remember that article in the paper, and they're going to call their local law enforcement. They're going to say, hey. There's guys shooting on the lake and they shouldn't be doing that. They're shooting inside an RHA and it's going to become confusing and it's going to become a thing of contention. It's going to become a point of contention. You can say I'm wrong about that all you want. I don't think I'm wrong about it because I'm the guy that interacts with these local law enforcement today on stuff. I'm the guy that understands how they, they think about it and talk about it when we get back to the boat ramp today on stuff. You guys, the listeners of this show, a lot of you are the ones that have had to deal with them and, and interact with them when you get back to the boat ramp on this stuff. I've spoken to newspapers about it over the over the years. Man, we don't want people hunting outside the area they can hunt. There were folks in, in Anna Maria hunting outside of a preserve, not in the preserve, outside of the preserve, in a place where they were legal to hunt, and homeowners were upset about this. The other thing that really bothers me is in one of my meetings with a commissioner last two weeks ago, he said, you know, let's be frank, this is really about gunfire and no one wants to be woken up with gunfire on Saturday morning. And that should be the most disconcerting thing of all. We, if we're making this rule about gunfire, we are effectively creating a rule that's going to be weaponized against hunters in the future all the way down to the end of time. Like that's, that's not a, a battle we're going to win. Uh, Safari Club International, Cyrus said to me, 301 feet sounds exactly like 300 feet. You, you can't tell the difference between them. And he's exactly right. So if this is really about gunfire, then why are we doing it at all? That's not what the agency should be in the, in the business of doing. 
and I, I realize, I realize that there are constraints on the agency. I, I realize the agency is drastically understaffed and that's not a knock on anyone in the agency. It's not a knock on anyone at FWC. I, I say a lot of times I've never met a stupid person there. I think they're all conscientious and want to do a good job. But I will say this. If really this is about they're getting a lot of phone calls complaining on Saturday mornings and they need to come up with a script that they respond to those people with and say, you know what? It's duck season. And for 69 days every year, these folks that fund conservation and have funded conservation since the dawn of creation are allowed to hunt on public waterways. And they're going to do it regardless of whether you build a house there or not. And we're sorry that it wakes you up on Saturday morning. We're sorry that they shoot at 634 or there's 628 or whatever it is in early teal season. But at the end of the day, we as an agency support them and we appreciate them. Please call us and let us know if any damage is done to your property or call your local law enforcement if any damage is done to your property. That's the script. That's what dispatch should be reading to people when they call in. The end should be nothing about RHAs and restricted hunting areas and where you can and can't hunt or anything else. It's public water. These are public waters. These are not homeowners waters. These are public waters. We're not looking to extend private property rights onto these waters. And so does this matter today when the rule passes? No, because no one submitted an RHA request yet. And no one, the the agency, I, I think I've said this already on these episodes, the agency believes they've made this, their word, onerous enough that municipalities won't want to do it. But I think it's folly to think that long term that the municipalities are going to be okay with that. I think it's folly to think that that we're not going to be able to mobilize the the uh, retiree and blue hair community to go out and help place signs and, and to show up at these meetings and, and push for their county commission and the city commissions to enact RHA rules. I think I think it is folly to believe that that's the case. And I say that as a guy that lives in that world pretty frequently. And I say that as a guy that lives in the world of R3 and recruitment and the future of hunting pretty frequently. It's a thing that I take very seriously and I don't pay lip service to. I, I try to walk the walk that, that goes with that. So that's why I think it matters. I think it matters. We will all take days off during duck season to go show up and, and shoot our favorite lakes and go show up and, sh- and, and shoot an STA or go show up and, and, and do a walk-in or whatever. We all save all of our time. And I, I know people, I'm a guide. I get to hunt every day of the season anyway. So I'm, I'm out 69 days of duck season. I'll hunt 85, 90 times. And I'll get to scout another 25, 30 times before that. I'm on the water a lot. I get to do that a lot. But I know guys that have full-time jobs that are out there 30, 35, 40 days a year. And they're making their schedule work. And what I'm saying is, in this one context, in this one situation, if you're a public land waterfowler in Florida, this is the meaning you should show up at. And this is the meeting, this August 4th commission meeting you should show up at and you should say, no, you know what? I respect you guys. I appreciate you guys, but I think you guys have missed it on this. I think you guys have missed the boat on this. And as a stakeholder, I'm availing myself of the process. And I really wish you would come back to the drawing board and work with us. We continue to hear there's not a whole ton of municipalities out there asking for this. We continue to hear that there's not, you know, a a, a bunch of waiting lists for RHAs. If that's the case, given the evidence that we saw at the February commission meeting, the only pressure on this rule is coming from this group, from my group, from our group, uh, the, the public land waterfowler that's not thrilled with the rule. So why wouldn't the agency want to come back to my earlier point and work with us on some level of compromise that makes us feel more comfortable? Uh, I, I'm not sure the answer to that. And that's really probably for me the most disappointing part of this, but it's also the reason that I suit up every day and, and show up in this fight. 
because I believe wholeheartedly that we should put our money where our mouth is, that we should walk the walk and talk the talk and, and not pay lip service to these things. Conservation is not convenient. I've said it before. We may sell a t-shirt with that on it. I believe it and I'm going to continue to live it. And thank you guys that are doing that with us. Looking forward immensely to, to August 4th. If you want to come with us, if you're interested in being there and you want to help crafting comments or you, you want to bounce some comments off of us or you want to ride with us, uh, we're going to have a, a, a church van type deal rented. Um, we can we can carry up to 15 passengers in it coming down from Polk County. And we've got folks coming from all over the state uh, coming to that commission meeting to speak on behalf of this issue. Um, and I hope we do it well. I hope we're proud at the end of the day of how we conduct ourselves and that we leave win or lose. Um, so someone once told me you can't win this. And I was like, well, then I can't lose it. Uh, when I played basketball in high school and we went up against Kathleen, they were number one in the state. And I remember everyone saying, you guys are going to get creamed. And I'm like, well, there's no way we can lose that. I remember my coach saying that to us. There's no way we can lose them. Let's go out there and punch them in the mouth. And I don't mean that aggressively or adversarially, but I, I definitely know that at the end of the third quarter, we were beating Kathleen by 15 points. Um, now we lost the game, but we lost the game by three. So I say all that to say, I believe we can win. I don't give up hope on this stuff. I believe, you know, we're, we're in the ninth inning, bottom of the ninth with two outs. But I also believe we have a lot of good data, a lot of good facts on our side of the conversation that are missing from the agency side. So that said, thank you guys so much. If you have questions about this, if I can help you with this in any way, if you want to argue with me about it, if you want to tell me, hey, you know what? I think you're wrong. I'm okay with that too. I love people that disagree with me. Um, I think that's what helps you kind of figure out why you believe what you believe and why you fight the way you fight and what you fight for. So thank you all for giving us your week to learn about RHAs. We'll be back next week to talk ICAST. Looking forward to that. Going to have Cameron Bissell with me at ICAST. So may even be able to get him on the show to kind of talk about his first ICAST experience and what he's seen and what I saw and all the new products and everything else. So thank you guys for hanging with us. Hope everyone has a great weekend and y'all stay woke.